Welcome to the Don't Stop Me Now podcast. I'm your host, Jennifer Vaughn. My guest today is Lee from Florida. I've known Lee through Instagram for over three years because I remember her Instagram. Prince had died about a year before, and she was still heavily mourning his loss by always signing off with Purple Hearts and lots and lots of posts about him. Yeah, that was a profound loss for me as well. I grew up with Prince, and man, we were not supposed to lose him this soon. So Lee and I were teens of the 80s, so of course, HIV and AIDS were no secret to either of us. I grew up just 20 miles south of San Francisco, where the epidemic was completely wiping out the gay community in the thousands. Interestingly enough, Lee was literally living down the street from Ryan White in Indiana. And here we both ended up with HIV and AIDS. Not in our wildest dreams did we think that this virus would someday make it into our bodies. Today she shares her story of HIV and AIDS as a newly widowed single mother of one boy and how she's handled all of it. When I asked her at the end of the interview what she would tell her HIV-negative self, I was taken aback by her response. Most say something about it not being what you think, the medication is fine, life goes on, but her answer was straight to the point and even stung a bit. There was no sugarcoating at all. All right, let's get on with this. I'm pleased to share with you Lee. Okay, well, welcome. You're Lee. You live in Florida and yes. you are, I think you're 51 now. I am. Yeah. Okay. And uh, we met through, I believe, Instagram. Yeah. We did. Okay. I found you on Instagram. And I knew you to be um, out on Instagram. Are you still? I was. A... Okay. So you're no longer. Okay. No, I'm not. Mm, I want to know no. why. Well, you, you fill me in. So to start with that part, why I'm, why I'm no longer, I, it, sure. it, you know what it pains, it pains yeah. me that I'm not, mm. it, it pains me. I, I hate it uh, because of my employer. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I was working for a different person from home, um, taking care of things for this person. And before I got the job, I was actually doing Apple tech support from home overnight. But um, this is kind of backwards. Um, My husband had cancer, so I had to get a job. And I was working overnight shift and homeschooling our son and um, taking care of my husband and getting no sleep. So I put a message on Facebook, hey, I need a job. Uh, Someone said, hey, I need someone's help with this thing (laughs) i'm trying to not be so cryptic but anyway uh they they were like yes fine we're gonna hire you that'd be great we love you because i've known this person for a while and then this person calls me a few days before i'm supposed to start and says hey my mother meaning grandmother wants to know um if you have HIV, because we see it all over your Instagram and Facebook. Mm. And I was slightly taken aback because I've never really been confronted with that question. And while I wanted to say yes, because um, me knowing dang good and well, I'm allowed to curse. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's fine. <laughs> damn good and well. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. Uh, that um 
I wasn't going to be putting anyone in jeopardy uh, with my status. I said no, because I needed the job and being on, I get social security um, and I have since my diagnosis. Uh, do you want me to go back to the diagnosis and then come back to that? How do you, well, <laughs> I don't know. What, no, no, it's totally fine. The one thing I want to say is that you said, you're sort of being cryptic about the job and it's not because the job was illegal. It's because you don't want to say what the job is because you don't want these people to maybe hear this podcast and know that it was you or anything like that. Correct. Correct. Because I still do this type of job. I just do it for um, another family member mm-hmm. okay. of this entire family. However, I feel like the family member I do it for now would probably not care. Mm-hmm. Um, I, but it's still, uh, it, this would be the sister of the person I worked for before. Okay. I don't think her and her husband would really care at all. Um, but it, they still have the same grandmother situation, the same mother. And I believe she is the one that was the most paranoid about it, even though, (laughs) you know, she said something really weird to me. She said, you know, uh, my parents back in the day when, um, HIV first came out, they owned an um, HIV clinic and I remember people coming in and being sick and this, that, and the other. And I just found that strange because these people aren't even doctors. Like they don't have anything to do with the medical field. So I don't understand why. I don't know. I just Mm -hmm. thought that was strange. If you want me to go back to my diagnosis and how it all happened. Yeah. What year, what year did you, were you diagnosed? Okay. So I, I, let me go all the way back. So Mm -hmm. I got, together with my husband in around 1998 Mm -hmm. um so I was in my 20s I was a baby Mm -hmm. um before I met him I was an avid plasma donor because I needed money being that I was young and on my own (laughs) so I knew before I was with him and I was with no other guy before I was with him for many, many years. So I knew uh, that I was negative also because, you know, they test you when you, when you give plasma, they back then, and I'm sure still do test you to make sure you didn't have HIV when you donated plasma. And I donated plasma like uh, as many times a week as you could. So um, I, then I met my husband and we'll just call him. um, We'll call him Carl. Um, I met him at work. He was my boss. Phil totally had over heels. I knew I was negative when I met him. He was healthy as a horse when I met him. Uh, we were together for, um, let's see, nine, seven, Oh, wow. We were together that long before I started getting sick. I, you know what's really strange? I think I remember when I zero converted. I got really sick for no reason a few years after I met him. Um, like they couldn't figure out what was wrong with me. I was sick for like a month straight. I lost so much weight. And I remember sitting in my bathtub looking at my thighs and they were so skinny. And I remember thinking to myself, oh my God, I hope I don't have AIDS. I don't know why that would have crossed my mind, but I've even told my son this before. I was like, I just had this instinctive thought in my head. 
but I got better and everything was fine. And we had a couple years we went, kept going. And then around 2004, I started not feeling well. Um, I was working, he was working. We still weren't married yet, but we were living together. And so we've been together for a while. Um, I started getting sick. Like I started having weird symptoms. Like I was having like herpes sores places where I, and I was tested for herpes and they told me I was negative, um, at the time. Uh, I was having these cracks in the corners of my mouth. I just was run down. I was having like low grade fevers. I was having what was night sweats, but I didn't realize that's what it was. I thought it was because I had a fever and I would go to the doctor and being a white woman who had been with the same man for quite some time, I guess they didn't put me in the high risk group and no one ever even thought to ask me, Hey, do you want to be tested? Um, for HIV, we had no reason at the time to even think I neither, either one of us needed to be tested. And, um, as so they would give me antibiotics and send me home and uh, you have a sinus infection. Cause I have always had horrible sinus problems anyway. So they give me the antibiotic. I feel better for a little while. And then this low grade fever would come back. And so this went on for almost an entire year. And finally, one day I looked at my hubby and I said, I can't take this anymore. Please take me to the emergency room. Maybe they can figure out what's going on. So he took me to the emergency room and they did the once over and they gave me um, some sort of CAT scan or something. And they come in with a piece of paper and they're like, hey, you know, would you mind um, getting an HIV test? And I was like, absolutely not. Because I was confident at that time I'd been with hubs. Well, he wasn't my hubby at the time, but I'd been with Carl for quite some time. Um, I didn't think there was any kind of cheating issue going on. Uh, I knew I was negative before I met him. So I was like, sure, um, no problem. But then I started questioning. I'm like, why are they bringing me this paper? Uh, and I started getting a little nervous. And then they came in and they said, hey, you have pneumonia. We're going to have to keep you here. And I was like, wow, okay. And they checked me in. I got a room. They're like, you'll get your results back in three days. In the meantime, we're going to take a lung biopsy to see what type of pneumonia you have. And uh, I said, okay. And they did the lung biopsy. And three days later, oh, mind you, they're all the, like, they look like the people do now when you go for a COVID test. Like when they were coming in my room, they were completely covered from head to toe. So this mm -hmm. was 2000 and at this point mm -hmm. this is October no I'm sorry I'm sorry October of 2004 they're coming in my room they've got masks on they just look like scary they were scary looking you From know like another they, I, I, planet yeah they were in all this equipment and on the outside of my door I remember being wheeled down to have the biopsy for my lung and I remember feeling so weak and they had me on an antibiotic and they had me on some other things. And um, I remember I was feeling pukey from all the medicines and feeling so weak. And I had never really, 
I guess I hadn't looked at myself in the mirror. I don't know. But as I'm passing by a window in the hallway, they've got masks. They have a mask on me. People are looking at me. I remember the people looking at me in the hallway, like with pity Mm. on their face. Like, and I remember thinking, Jesus, do I look like I'm dying? Like, am I dying? Like I started questioning everything. They took me down to do the biopsy. I went back to my room. I'm laying there uh, like a day later. This horrible, I'll never forget this guy. This horrible German doctor came into my room. I know he was German from his accent. He looked at me. He said, you have AIDS in this horrible German accent. No emotion on his face. No anything. And I'm like, what? And he proceeded to tell me I had a um, T-cell count of three. Um, my viral load was ridiculous off the charts. Do you he remember said what there it was? Only... Oh, God, no. I, no. Billions, trillions, <laughs> I don't know. The freaking highest number it could have possibly been. Oh, my God. Some I... zenith, quantith something, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it was ridiculous. And he was just looking at his chart, not even looking at me. He's there's only two types of people that have the type of pneumonia you have as well. You have PCP pneumonia. Cause I was like, are you sure? How do you know? What do you mean? I I've always tested negative. I don't understand where this came from. And he looked at me and he said, there's only two people in the world that get the type of pneumonia you have people with cancer and people with AIDS. And that's because you have no immune system. And your AIDS test or your HIV test came back positive. And then he proceeded to, and I said, well, I, I want someone else to come in the room. He upset me just with his coldness and just his frankness. There was no one else in the room. Um, Carl was at work and um, at the time. Uh, so I was all alone and I, I was really shocked because I, First, never had anybody even mention, you know, the fact that they thought I could possibly have HIV to begin with. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I'd always felt completely health and Carl was fine. You know, he had no problems at all. So they sent in, I remember this guy, he was like an angel from heaven. I'll never forget his name. Dr. John Martin was the kindest, most gentle, amazing doctor on the planet. He touched me like he, cause at the moment this man told me you have AIDS and the way he said it and how clinical he was and how he stayed across the room from me. I felt like such a pariah at that moment. Like I felt like my life was over. That was it. I was going to die because I, you know, even though I knew what HIV was, I, I lived across the street from Ryan White mm. before he died. You're kidding. No. Oh, the no. Ryan White? I knew his mother, the Ryan White. I lived in Cicero, Indiana, many, 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 many years ago when Ryan was sick. And when he was a teenager, I saw the Mustang that Michael Jackson bought him. I have been to his gravesite. i I knew his mother, Jeannie. Um, I live literally houses down from him. Wow. Um, I had no idea. I mean, you might've told me, I don't know why it's hitting me now. Like I've never heard that. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. 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 So I knew about, I knew about HIV. I knew about AIDS, but I guess I just, 
um, because I had always tested negative from the plasma donations, you know, I never thought it was me. I was not an intravenous drug user. Um, you know, I, I, can I just back up for a second? This is what a small world, because I grew up in California, just a little bit younger than you. And Ryan White was obviously all over the US. We all knew who who he was because it was we were old enough to know he was our age. And I kept his People magazine because I was so moved by a story. And I just couldn't believe this kid this happened to him. And so in one of my amazing speeches that I gave I talked about that fact that I you know kept his people magazine all this time I kept like the shuttle explorer exploding the U2 when they exploded with Joshua Tree um, baby Jessica that fell down the well oh, and, yeah. And, oh, yeah. and yeah and and Ryan White and um and now I find out not only will Ryan White's mom and I are connected on Facebook which just trips me out but you lived by him what I mean, yeah, I have yeah. goosebumps. They this lived is crazy. They lived on the lake, oh. and I could see the lake from my. But they lived in like a little cul-de-sac, so I'd have to drive down the street just a little bit. Uh-huh. But literally, I could have walked. I could have walked over there. Did you ever meet him I, or see him? I saw him when he was very sick, but I never met him face to face. I did go over after he passed away. Oh. Uh, and gave my condolences to his mother, of course, being in the neighborhood, um, and told her if she needed anything. And she was so sweet. And now um, here, did wouldn't... you ever think years later, just like myself, that we would have the same thing Ryan had? Can you no. Believe it? Can you believe it? Isn't that crazy? No. no okay. No. Sorry. Never. Never. No. So no, crazy. Like, don't apologize. No. I don't mean to no. interrupt you. Uh-huh. I'm just blown away that I no, I'm not connected by him. You know, his, but you live oh by my him. God. I still remember his gravestone. Like it was so beautiful. And I used to go sit at it for no reason wow. to just be in the presence of his greatness because he was such a great human being mm-hmm. and um, such a beacon for so many people. And uh, yeah, so yeah, little known fact, I lived in Cicero. <laughs> Crazy. Okay. <laughs> Tiny, tiny Indiana town. I grew up in Indiana, so and well, I as just, did my husband, but he grew up uh, in a very different part of Indiana from me. Mm-hmm. But we didn't meet till it, we were in uh, Atlanta. Mm, okay. uh, so anyway, back to the hospital, I guess, right? Is that where yes. I left off? Yes, yes, ma'am. Yeah, so Dr. Martin came in and he was my savior and he grabbed me by both of my hands and he looked at me with his deep blue eyes. I'll never forget. He was such a tall, just handsome, like, like Grey's Anatomy kind of doc, you know what I'm saying? Like, (laughs) just made you feel all warm and fuzzy inside. And he said, you are going to be fine. You are going to live a normal lifespan. You are going to have babies, which actually, that's another story. Um, You are going to be okay. And I don't want you to let, and I said, please don't let that other man come back in my room. And he never did. I never saw that doctor again. The funny thing about that doctor is he was actually part of the practice of doctors that I saw once I got out of the hospital but I still never even saw his face again. So <laughs> thank God. Wow. Cause I, I probably would have ripped him a new one. He was a jerk. <laughs> I mean, seriously, he, he, he really scared the 
but Jesus. But immediately, I had to call um, Carl mm. and say, "We Houston, we have a problem. Uh, you're gonna <laughs> have lightly. to, yeah, you're gonna have to go get tested." And uh, he said, "Well, let's get you out of the hospital first. He was so amazing. I was so scared that when I found out, uh, at first I thought, "Holy, holy shit." Um, maybe it slipped through somewhere, you know, I didn't ever think it was him mm-hmm. at first. And, um, I was afraid I gave it to him, mm-hmm. but then I'm thinking, how, how is that possible? Because I was negative before I met him. I knew I was negative. Uh, I donated plasma when I lived in the, uh, apartments where I worked, where I met him. So, um, I, I knew up to, you know, weeks before him and I were either even together physically that I was negative. Mm-hmm. Um, so I told him and he, he, he was amazing. I was in the hospital 10 days. I think I was in 10 days. I'm five, seven. And when I came out of there, I weighed 98 pounds. Ooh. I uh, could barely get up the stairs to our, our third floor apartment. They put me on, I'll never forget it. My first regimen of medication was Sestiva and Combavir. Sestiva had to be the worst medication I've ever taken in my entire life as far as side effects go for the first six weeks. It literally, in the middle of the night, if you had to get up to go to the bathroom, because you took it at night, you had to take it at night. That was a requirement. You took it at night. Because the side effects were so bad or why? I think so. It was Mm -hmm. with no food at night. So I took the sestiva and I remember I would wake up to go to the bathroom and it remember like when you were a kid and you go to the carnival and you'd walk in the fun house and that room that turned mm-hmm. and you couldn't quite get your balance. Mm-hmm. I, I promise you, I would walk crooked down the hallway like to get to, and another fun side effect. You felt like you had flames coming out of the top of your shirt. Like, <laughs> like you had just heat would just run. <laughs> Seriously. I felt like my whole, freaking head was on fire and I broke out in a rash from my hips it started on my hips and it came up my torso it's like it moved up I I I joked with Carl because it was like it moved up my torso up my neck up my face and then just off the top of my head and the rash was gone this was all in the process of six weeks they rashes can do that yeah they migrate isn't that crazy yeah, it was so weird. Yeah. So in the meantime, while I'm taking medicine, he did get tested. He was positive. His uh, CD4, I believe, was pretty low. It was in the 200s. Mm-hmm. He never got sick mm. um, with that. He never got an AIDS diagnosis. Um, so that puts me back to the Social Security because once I was diagnosed with AIDS, they immediately gave me disability. Um, Wait, though, hold on. So you're diagnosed and he knows that you haven't been with anybody else. Isn't he kind of like sweating on, well, well, he, 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 you know, he, he didn't, I'll tell you how we found out where we believe it came from. Um, let me think because my years get mixed up. So we found out about me. Then we found out he had it and he got on medication and he, he, he was, he was, we were curious, but he didn't blame me. He had a, a bit of a sordid past with, um, 
you know, drugs. He was never an intravenous drug user. Mm-hmm. He also had a, a passion for a certain sexual position. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, he liked the backdoor entrance mm-hmm. a lot. <laughs> mm-hmm. 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 Put it that way. Um, I'm pretty sure that's how I obtained it <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> from letting him do that. It wasn't pleasurable for me at all, but you know, whatever made him happy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, our relationship too was funny i i had very low self-esteem and uh he was very narcissistic at the time that i met him very charming guy when i met him very would give you the shirt off his back amazing person but at times could be so controlling he had a very 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 rough childhood um lost a brother to suicide lost his father when he was five um in domestic violence uh thing um you know the mom was protecting herself mm-hmm. uh anyway grew up in a large family where the mom had to raise them and um so he he had a lot of emotional problems as did i i guess because um i pretty much would cling to any guy who would pay attention to me mm. um i was by no means i can count on both hands how many men i've been with in my lifetime so it wasn't like i was a big sleeper around I had to be emotionally attached to you before I would crawl in bed with you mm-hmm. um but I did get emotionally attached to people very and I still do get very emotionally attached. I'm very sensitive I get very emotionally attached my mom was very uh uh she couldn't have children and uh, she had eight miscarriages and she adopted me when I was three days old um she was raised in a very abusive home and my mom was really verbally abusive. I think that's where my low self-esteem came from. And uh, anyway, I digress. <laughs> so our relationship was not roses for the most part, but I still kept coming back because uh, I loved him. And uh, there was part of him that was really good. And that was the part I clung to, I guess. Um, so we found out. And, uh, we, I remember we moved and when we moved, his mother came to visit. And when his mother came to visit, she told me that she found out that one of his exes had passed away from AIDS. Mm. One of his exes from another state. Mm -hmm. She didn't tell him that she had HIV. I am just going to assume that's where it came from because mm-hmm. knowing his um, position preference, mm-hmm. I'm assuming that probably happened with her as well. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I know yeah. the chances of a woman passing it to a man are very, very tiny, but uh, I, 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 that's my only explanation. Like the... Yeah. the I have, we have no other way to explain it because I have no one in my lineage that has it. He wasn't, he wasn't, that's what I keep kind of missing here. Like he, you were diagnosed and he knew you'd been with nobody else. He had to have known that he had it at that moment. No. Well, of course I think he, he, he figured that he did. Did he, and he, did he panic at all? He didn't panic. 
he was so attentive and it was almost like he was sorry maybe he maybe he did know you know I don't Mm -hmm. know maybe he did know in a way or maybe maybe he had heard from someone that she might have it and maybe he was just in denial and then when I got it because I do remember him being so amazing when I was in the hospital and after I was in the hospital. And then a year later we got married. Mm. Um, so a year after my diagnosis, as a matter of fact, a year to the month, not a year to the day, I was diagnosed October 14th of 2004. I'll never forget it. The day mm-hmm. you just don't forget that day. No. Um, we got married October 5th of 2005. Mm. a day after a year no 2005 so a year after i was diagnosed but a couple but a year and a day right no we were married on the we were married on the 5th and i was diagnosed on the 14th so oh, 14th i had fourth in yeah. my head sorry gotcha gotcha no okay. that's okay no 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 so we got married a year later um i was always told that because of the way my insides were it would be very difficult for me to ever have children and um he has four other grown children so um we knew it wasn't him (laughs) and uh the doctor told me you know once i started taking my medicine once i get used to the side effects kind of went away sestiva and combivir did me very well um for a very long time as a matter of fact i was on it from 2004 no 2005 2004 2004 until 2008 so i was on it for four years i did great my cd4 shot up um i went undetectable within like eight months it was amazing um i was relentless about taking my medication on time i have never in my how many years is this now well it's october it's past oh my date passed (laughs) i suck at math so if i was diagnosed in 2004 and it's now 2020 what was my anniversary please do the math i'm an artist so i'm 16 thank you i'm a right brainer yeah 16 years jesus help me uh yeah no i do art so please forgive me folks i suck at math i mean even basic math just forget it i'm not gonna do it my brain seizes up i like panic i have math phobia anyway um wow 16 years so this is kind of cool that i'm doing this right now because it's like my 16th anniversary for that yeah yeah jeez man that's unbelievable i have been undetectable for 15 years did you know what that meant in terms of obviously you and Carl, you didn't have to worry because you guys were both positive. But did you know what that meant in terms of other people with HIV and transmitting it sexually? Like, when did you find out about U equals U? From you. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> oh, you just got yeah. me right there in the heart. Oh, I, I got it. the field. I got you in the field. Oh. I learned it from you. Oh, I, okay. So here's, 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 the sad part of the whole story i guess i'll just fast forward i'll tell a little bit of good stuff Mm -hmm. after five years after i was diagnosed and they had told me it'd be difficult for me to have children and i was 39 (laughs) Mm. um i uh i always had screwy periods you know it was never normal and i had taken a million pregnancy tests in my life with carl 
And uh, they were always negative. And this one time I was at Walmart and I had missed my period hadn't come again. And I was feeling weird. You know, I was feeling like my period was coming, but it just would never come. And so I was like, I'm going to get this $3 test. I go home, I take it and holy shit, I'm pregnant. And I got so scared at that very moment because I knew I was on Sestiva and Comavir. I had heard that um, HIV medications could cause birth defects. I was terrified because, okay, I had done um, some drugs with Carl. He loved weed and um, he loved Coke. Those were his two favorite things. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, I would do it with him because if I didn't, he would get very angry at me. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess he wanted someone to do it with him just so he didn't feel like he was being bad by himself. Um, so I knew I had, but I had, I had told him I wanted to stop. So, cause I, I wasn't, I didn't like it. And, um, he was like, that's cool. That's fine. No problem. And so I, we had done it that one last time and that's when I got pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, that night, I know that night I got pregnant. And uh, I was scared, though. I was scared. I was scared because of HIV medicine. I was scared because I had done drugs in the past. I was never a drinker. Um, my mom was an alcoholic, so I ate, I ate alcohol. I might have a margarita every once in a while, but I, my body just doesn't process alcohol very well. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I get drunk very quickly, and I get sick very easily. So I just stay away from it because it's not my friend. And um, it's probably a good thing. But anyway, uh, I lost my train of thought. Oh, I was scared. I was terrified. So I immediately called my nurse practitioner. Debbie was her name. I'll never forget her. She was so amazing. I was crying. I called her before I even called Carl. Um, I was like, I'm, I'm pregnant. I'm pregnant. I'm pregnant. I'm freaking out. She's like, calm down. It's okay. We're going to change your medicine. We're going to get you in here and make sure you're pregnant. We're going to change your medicine. Everything's going to be fine. Once she calmed me down, I called him crying. I'm pregnant. And I thought he was going to be mad because he had always said he didn't want any more children. He already had four and they were pretty much all grown, um, except for his youngest daughter who lived with her mom. Um, and uh, no, he, he said, I'll be right home. He left work and he came home and he had the biggest eating green grin on his face and he walked in with flowers and he was so happy and uh he said i know it's a boy and he already had the name picked out and uh, i'm not gonna give the name because that's gonna be way too obvious but um, it is the name that is your son's name though yes and uh yes it is um Mm -hmm. the name the thing about that is he has two boys that their mother basically turned them against him and their mother actually passed away ironically Mm. when I was uh, six months pregnant with my son and he went to where they live in another state and tried to get them. And they were young teens tried to get them to come back and live with him and um, with us. And uh, they refused their mother had turned them against him so much. All they wanted was money. All they wanted was money from him. Money, 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 money. Um, I, they always said that she passed away from female problems. No one would ever give a real, I even tried to find like her obituary or her 
like tried to look up records to see because I'm just curious like he was with her way before me mm-hmm. and before the other before the other person that passed away hmm. the other person that passed away came after this woman so Carl had a reputation of going from woman to woman to woman to woman he always had one waiting in the wings is what I like to say. Mm-hmm. Um, so he had two boys with this woman who passed away while I was six months pregnant. For unknown reasons. Yes. However, however, another strange thing. He was married between the one that passed away and me. I forgot. Mm-hmm. My story is so screwed up. He was married. She didn't get it. They had a baby. Mm. Her nor the baby got it i did yeah Hmm. maybe maybe he didn't do that same method with her the back door maybe not yeah maybe not i mean you know not the person that gave it to me i was with him for eight months and i and he had it the whole time and you know and i didn't know obviously we didn't know he had it and uh uh, how much do I want to say here? Uh, I know that I, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. There was also that practice as well. <laughs> That's who he was. Something he was hey, into. I, you and, know, what? you know, so um, it is not, what it is. I'm not ashamed. It's fine. But you know, I didn't have symptoms. Do you until. know how many people do that? They just don't talk about it. I mean, seriously. Well, yeah. Let's just be real. Yeah. Let's just be real. It's, the guy likes it because it's, obviously more pleasurable for them i'm not going to say it is for me but i find that it can be really nice so i really don't there is a i'm I'm so happy for you yeah Yeah. (laughs) i am also happy that i never have to do that again (laughs) so there there's yeah it was it was mutual but um i would say that my symptoms didn't show up until after he uh, like after he left our relate well and kind of kicked him out but so about three weeks later is when I got sick which is just I'm almost positive that was my zero conversion three weeks after because that's when I had this horrendous headache and I had the the sort not sore throat but like the esophageal pain and all of this came at once and it was oh just- god I had thrush I thought I forgot about thrush well I got the thrush like three years later but my point is, is that I was exposed to him through the most risky kind of sexual behavior for eight months. And I didn't get it for probably eight months. That's I'm just saying, like, you can see, isn't that crazy? Yeah, it's not as easy to transmit it or contract it as easy as everybody thinks. It really isn't. Yeah. So so, so anyway, so I'm I had saying, my maybe baby. that's why that one woman didn't ever get it just because she just didn't. Yeah, they it. were only together for a year. Mm hmm. They were only together for a year. Mm-hmm. She had a baby. I mean, their marriage was really toxic. Um, and so that's where, and that should have probably been a red flag to me, but it wasn't because, you know, I was completely in love uh, and over the moon. So I got pregnant and I had my son and he was completely healthy. And uh, I had to give him AZT for the first six weeks of his life um, every four hours. c-section but i tried for vaginal but i'm going to tell you something i had i being of advanced maternal age air quotes um i had a perfect pregnancy until the very end i got Mm preeclampsia 
And when I went into the doctor, I had the oldest, kindest doctor on the planet. And he looked at me and he said, you are one of my best patients. You've never complained. I have young women come in here complaining every day. They're half your age and you've never said a word, but you look like you don't feel well. And I said, I don't feel well today. You're right. I don't. And I was 36 weeks pregnant at that point. And um, I felt like the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man from Ghostbusters or like I just felt so bloated and horrible. And he took my blood pressure and he said, I want you to go across the street and check yourself into the high risk unit because in two days we're going to induce you your blood pressures through the freaking roof. Yeah. Explain so for I had, don't know what preeclampsia is when you're pregnant. It's high blood pressure. When you're and how does that it's affect super, super high? And it's uh, you very can dangerous. Stroke. It's very dangerous. You can have a stroke, a heart attack. It affects the baby. Um, so they got me in, they put me on, oh my God, they gave me magnesium. Mm-hmm. And what I can tell you about IV magnesium is the worst thing on the planet. It I already have a problem with being hot all the time. Like I'm just naturally hot. Uh, well, since I live in the South now, that's not so true. Um, Cause I'm freezing right now. I have on a sweatshirt and sock um, because it's 70. So <laughs> <gasps> that's cold. That's cold to me. Wow. Um, yeah. My body is acclimated. But when I lived a little farther North, that wasn't the case. And uh, I was always hot. So they give you magnesium and um, it sets you on fire. It also makes your legs and your arms feel like lead. You cannot lift your arms, your legs. You just can't. You just, it's horrible feeling. You have like your whole back feels like it's on. It was, I was reminiscent of, of the um, Sestiva. It, mm-hmm. it, it was horrible. So anyway, I, I was in there. They induced me. Um, I was in labor for 36 hours mm-hmm. because they gave me Pitocin to start my labor, but magnesium will not only lower your blood pressure, it will slow your labor. Mm. So I had two drugs fighting against each other. I also had an AZT drip. Um, I had so many bags of medications hanging up there. I, I don't know what all was up there, but I do remember when they said it, I, I, I they told me some women it's very rare that some women will hear their um, water break. It's like a pop noise. And they said, but it's really rare. You'll probably just feel it happen. I remember 5 a.m. I'd been in the hospital for days, it seemed like. I actually heard the pop. Ooh. <laughs> I heard the pop. And then I felt the rush. And I woke Carl up, who was quietly sleeping on the bench next to me. And I said, um, hey, honey, I think my water just broke. It was 5 a.m., he jumped up like the baby was about to come out right then and started running around crazy. And I'm like, calm down. I'm pretty sure the baby's not just going to come flying out. It's my first one. <sighs> and I was right. Um, they made me start pushing at 7 PM that night after my epidural had wore off. Mm. I pushed for three straight hours and he would only stay at plus one. Oh. And because of having HIV, they could not use forceps or vacuum. The little suction cuppy thing almost looks like uh, when you plunge your toilet. Why? They, they, they said they could not use that or the forceps because 
I guess back then, this was 2009. Um, I guess back then, before they knew about U equals U, they didn't want to break the skin of the baby for fear of me transmitting. Okay. Hmm. So at that moment, they then said that I could have a C-section. They wanted me to hold. I just want to back up for a second for all you women who have had babies and have had to have magnesium and Pitocin. Um, and I feel for you because they told me I had to hold my own legs up while I pushed. I proceeded to curse them out and tell them they better get a nurse for each side because I couldn't even lift my arms thanks to the magnesium. So if they thought I was going to do that, they were out of their mind. And they were telling you to hold your own legs because you had HIV? No, just oh. no, no. That's just like, how they were doing it. They were just like, the, no. They were, so, they were so mean though. Like the lady finally walked in and was like, well, I guess you pushed for long enough and you're not going to be able to get them out. I can't get them out because of the stuff you've given me. I asked you hours ago, could I have a C-section? Just can you get it over with? So finally I got the C-section and um, he came out beautifully fine. And um, not even cone-headed, believe it or not, even though he was in the birth canal for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he was perfectly healthy, and now he's perfectly annoying and 11. <laughs> and of course, he had to March. continue medication for how long after he was born, just to be on the safe Six side? Weeks. Six and weeks. And what was it? AZT? It was liquid AZT. Yep. Every four hours. How? And how he that... had to be tested. He had to be tested. I can't remember how many tests he had. But I think it was six. Mm. I think he had six tests within the first year of his life. Did it seem like the AZT bothered him at all? Not at all. He sucked mm. it down like it was no problem. They put flavoring in it. It was okay. And he was so newborn, you know. Mm-hmm. I just stuck it in the side of his mouth and he kind of basically and I was so upset because I couldn't breastfeed. And they made me feel I'll have to say this, they made me feel horrible in the hospital about not breastfeeding and I kept reminding them I had HIV mm-hmm. and you told me I wasn't allowed to breastfeed. So why do you keep coming in here telling me breastfeeding is better for my child when clearly on the end of my bed, I'm pretty sure it says HIV positive on, on that chart right down there. The chart you look at every freaking time you come in my room. So I felt horrible that I couldn't breastfeed. Mm-hmm. And these people made me watch breastfeeding videos, oh. made sure, oh, are you sure you don't want to breastfeed? I, what the hell is wrong with you? Did you not just hear me say, I have HIV, you bring me my HIV meds every morning, woman. It's insult to injury because your body wants to nurse. Like I've been there. I know that feeling. Your oh God. And the baby wanted want that to nurse. baby. Hmm? The baby wanted the boobs. Like, yeah. He could smell it. Yeah, would cry and I would feel so bad because mm. I couldn't give it. I couldn't figure out why he was crying. And Carl would be like, he wants the milk. That in itself is so psychologically like such a mind fuck that you're going to through that right as you're like having this new connection and bonding with your baby. Yet you can't oh, do God, the most awful. natural thing possible that your body wants to do so badly you know, I don't think like there should be counseling going along with that. Like that is, I believe that too. Like yeah. raping you of I this agree. opportunity that you need to have this bonding moment. And you can't do it. Like I can't even. Well, and the fact that they kept throwing it in my face was even worse. Like, oh. 
like that they were just stupid enough. I, I know you have other patients on the floor, but seriously, you've been in here enough times. You you, you should know. I just put just put HIV on my outside of my door so you don't freaking forget. I don't care at this point. Don't care. Let everyone in the hospital know. Just put it out there. Yeah, I remember so, my first one not really understanding the whole breastfeeding thing because it was brand new. But I remember with Ryan, as soon as she was born, the second I held her, I'm like, get that kid on my tit. Like, I could not wait. Like, it was so bizarre. And it it's just this bizarre thing. I'm like, turn it, take it, you know, and she yeah. the mouth just goes right for it. And it's just like, you know, it's a it's just this instinct. So to have that stopped and you're not allowed to do that. it is yeah. got to have some. It was awful. Oh, I'm I've so always sorry. carried a horrible thing around about that. I still yeah. do, I think. That's really hard. And I see other people doing it. I think it's such a beautiful thing. And I hate when people are like, oh, she's breastfeeding in public. I want to just chew those people out. Mm -hmm. I just want to say, you you don't understand. I couldn't even breastfeed. So the fact that she can, just mm -hmm. let her freaking do it. And if her tits hang out, who cares? Right. Like, orangutans are doing it on a daily basis. I don't see you complaining about them. Like, what's the difference? Like, off you're not buying a shirt for an orangutan <laughs> don't worry about it yeah seriously yeah it really like, is God, it's an yeah, it should be allowed so for sure so it should so he was born our tumultuous relationship continued on uh for many years and i wanted to leave a lot of times but once I had the baby, then, you know, I really kind of felt stuck there as toxic as I knew our really, and he continued, um, the drug use. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I, yeah. And he would get really violent at times, uh, in my face. He never, he never got physical with me, mm -hmm. um, later and in, in the beginning of the relationship he was a couple of times mm -hmm. um not horribly but enough that it scared me but no i guess it didn't scare me enough uh but uh, he 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 was mainly verbal and emotional and narcissistic and then he could just turn around and his love language was to buy you things that's when he felt bad about what he did he took you out and he bought you something i guess to make himself feel better and to make you feel better Mm -hmm. I, I learned later that was his love language uh, I didn't know what love languages were at the time obviously I was very immature I grew up a lot throughout the relationship I grew a backbone I started sticking up for myself I started telling him I wasn't going to put up with it I uh, at one time caught him uh, smoking crack in the closet he was in the baby's closet doing it after I'd put the baby to sleep. I, the baby's we the baby co-slept like our whole life. Uh, as a matter of fact, he sleeps with me now, but that will um, make sense in a minute. Um, for people listening, you probably already know why. Anyway, um, mm -hmm. he just slept with me. I, they told me I'd never have a baby. Mm -hmm. So he slept with the both of us and we had another room. And when we wanted to do things, we would go in there, you know, and then we'd go back to the big, huge king size bed and we all slept in there. Mm -hmm. um, although towards the last six years of our relationship, I'm going to say, 
he started sleeping in the guest bedroom mm -hmm. uh, constantly. He said he didn't want to wake me up because he had to get up early for work. And he knew I was, I've homeschooled our son his whole life. Um, and I got the beautiful privilege of being stay at home mom. Mm -hmm. um, thanks to him, uh, Carl, who was a workaholic and took so much pride in his work. And he, none of his family members knew of his diagnosis. He was very hush hush with it. Um, I will say, I think that has a lot to do with the fact that he was African-American man. I am Caucasian. I am um, a blabbermouth and will talk to anyone about anything. Um, I don't care who you are. You be the cashier at Walmart. I'll talk to you. I got that from my mother. It's a Southern thing. I'm from West Virginia. We're just friendly like that. Mm -hmm. uh, he was raised with a whole different mindset of you don't talk about your business to anyone, including family members if it's a really bad thing and HIV would have been one of those bad things so the only person in his family who ever knew was his mother and his oldest daughter mm. she knew because she had seen me sick so uh I ended up telling her he ended up finding out I told her he got mad that I told her but she said don't get mad because I kind of already knew because she knew the girlfriend that had it so um what what are you what are you doing sorry dog digging on my bed get back um I don't know how all that came about she just kind of already knew anyway I, I don't know why but anyway so calm like seven years ago now uh, my dad called me and my mom had been diagnosed with dementia a few years before, but she was getting pretty bad and he needed my help, uh, my stepdad. So um, we moved in with them and um, Carl couldn't come right at the moment. He had to finish the job he was at before he could move. So he stayed behind for about four months and um uh, my son and I moved in with my dad and my mom. My mom didn't last two weeks before we had to do an emergency intake into a memory care facility because she was very violent. Mm. Um, and we were afraid she was going to hurt herself for her. And it, this was many years of her calling me from another state, screaming and crying and saying my father was trying to kill her. That was all the dementia. It was just a horrible she was and the alcoholism didn't help um dementia ran in her family and, and uh, the alcohol brought it on early so um uh anyway i moved in with my dad i helped him find a place to put her in and um we settled in and then carl came about four or five months later and uh I guess it's going to be, let's see, so seven years. And today is actually an eight-month anniversary. I'll tell you about that in a second. I'm trying to do my timeline. I'm tired, if you'll have to forgive me. Um, I guess my mom was in the memory care facility three years before she passed away. 
Carl was diagnosed with cancer, liver cancer, a year before my mom passed, two years before my mom passed, two years before my mom passed. So a year after he moved, we, a year after two years, I don't know. We moved down here a couple years later while mom was in memory care, he was diagnosed with liver cancer. Come to find out he had uh, hepatitis B. I do not have hepatitis B. Mm. Um, it says that I was vaccinated for it and the vaccine took. It says he, he was vaccinated for it, but the vaccine did not take. Mm. Did that have anything to do with his diagnosis? I don't know. I don't think so. Because mm, okay. I mean, we're both, we both, we both always went to the doctor together. Um, all of our appointments, all of our HIV doctor appointments, we always went together. We always took our son with us. So he has always known his entire life. Mommy and daddy both have HIV. Mm -hmm. um, he's known from a very tiny age what it was, what it meant. He's never been afraid of it. Eating after us, drinking after us, kissing us, um, anything. He, he, he knows that um, you equals you. He probably knew you equal you before I did. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> He, he was just never afraid of it. You know, he would eat off my plate. He would, and I, and I wasn't afraid for him to do it. I knew he couldn't get it that way. Um, you know, I knew he could drink after me. I could kiss him. I could do all the things you do with your baby. And, and I wasn't afraid of that. Mm -hmm. um, I just learned about the you equals you where you, you know, you're undetectable, untransmittable, meaning I don't necessarily need to use protection. I can't. I mean, I wouldn't do that just in case, but I know that there's no chance. Um, Did the hepatitis B have anything to do with Carl's cancer though, or no unrelated? Yes, it caused oh. it. Oh, thank you. Okay. That's what I was, that's what I wondered. Okay. Yeah. The hepatitis B caused his mm. type of liver cancer. It was called it. HCC, um, heptocellular carcinoma. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a extremely aggressive liver cancer, uh, that mm. is caused by the hep B virus. They never find it until it's very late. He had been complaining of heartburn and pains in his chest and they put him on Pepsid. Um, and then they did this thing called a fiber scan where they like tap on, I don't know, it's a really weird test. And they said, maybe we'll send you for an MRI. And when they sent him from it for an MRI, he had a seven centimeter or millimeter. I don't know. He had a large mass on his liver and a whole bunch of little ones. And um, they did a, uh, they didn't even need to really do a biopsy. Um, they already knew what it was just from the hep B and the symptoms. And so then he went through God awful treatments, trying to fight it. Um, the first year was not fun at all. He was really grumpy. He was still the same personality. The last 10 months, um, I had been taking care of him, taking care of our son working because he had to quit working obviously um because of the treatments we had to take him back and forth to different hospitals travel stay in hotels um he was so sick 
so sick. The, the treatment was making them more sick than the cancer itself. I mean, it, it was awful. Um, through the whole thing, his HIV numbers were still better than mine. We always had a contest <laughs> of whose CD4 count was higher <laughs> when we would go to the doctor. I don't know why we ended up doing this. And uh -huh. I always used to get so jealous because his would always be higher than mine. Like oh his was in the thousands. <sighs> even while never, he had cancer. Even while he had cancer. His, his CD4 was in like 1200. Where are you right and now? He, What's your CD4? He remained on top. I just had my labs done and it was 690 something. Okay. Were you, did it, did it take you, you were a three at one point. Did it take you a long time to get to? I've been up to nine. I've been up to nine. It did, you know, uh, oh yeah. I named them Curly, Mo, and Larry. Um, my three, my three T cells. That's, I deal with um, things uh, obviously with humor. Um, Carl used to hate that. I like to joke around with doctors. That makes me feel less scared. So once I kind of got over in the hospital, okay, you're not going to die. I was like, let's just name these suckers since I only have three of them and maybe they'll, you know, mate. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know. And uh, anyway, yeah, I went from three T cells. Let's see. I think I'm going to say it took about, it didn't take me very long. It took me about a year it took me about six months to get over 200. Well, it's a good amount of time. Yeah. I think it was six months. That mm -hmm. It's been so long. You have to forgive me. I'm 51. So, you know, I'll forget why I walked in a room now. So <laughs> remembering this stuff. <laughs> Plus I have an 11 year old who's sucking my soul out. Um, uh, so anyway, yeah. It's, it's, it didn't take too long. It took a while to get it way up there. I do know it has bounced back and forth from 900 to, I think the lowest it's been since I was diagnosed was 475, mm -hmm. but it's, it, it, it's just a blip on the radar. I have come to learn that um, percentage means more than the number itself. Mm -hmm. And uh, my percentage right now is 34%, mm -hmm. which it's, stayed at a steady 34% for quite some time now. It has been up to 37%, but I still consider that just a blip. Mm -hmm. Um because it's never an absolute in my opinion, you know, science can have varying degrees and I believe that so can our labs. Mm -hmm. So as long as I remain undetectable, I've even blipped up above undetectable to like 75 copies of viral load but they still say they don't consider that. Um, they Anything still consider that. Concerning, yeah. Okay, so you had yeah, shared with me that your relationship with Carl had been, uh, you know, but there was a More point. than eh, yeah, more yeah. than eh. There was a point where I was going to leave. Like, I, I was done. I, I wanted, as a matter of fact, it was when we had moved. Um, there were several points I wanted to leave, uh, but I just didn't have the backbone. But I finally, guess, grew a backbone in my late 40s. And um, I was like, I can't take it anymore. And literally right after I said that, he got diagnosed with cancer. And uh, I couldn't leave him then. I, I, I would never do that to someone. I don't care how much I couldn't stand being around you. 
I'm not going to leave you alone to battle that. So that's just who I am, how I was raised. And I was his wife and I did take vows. So since I took vows and he became that ill, I was like, I'm just going to stick it out because we're going to fight this together. And I was determined to help him fight it. Um, and I did help him. Uh, I tried with Rick Simpson oil. I ordered from California, the Rick Simpson, um, THC come in a syringe really thick. Like he could only take a little bit at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I tried everything teas and, and plant-based diet, keto diet. I, I, I tried everything. Uh, and then he did chemo and chemobilization. He took chemo pills. He had taste treatments, um, a taste treatments where they go in through your artery and your groin and they go up into your liver and they deliver chemo beads into the tumors themselves. He would be so sick from that. So, uh, about 10 months, um, obviously I'm leading up to the fact that he's no longer with us and today actually marks, um, oh, not going to cry. Uh, eight months since Mm. he passed. Mm. Um, and it was actually on a Friday too. And we were going to do this yesterday and it didn't work out how how weird right and i I always told him how much i wanted to stand oh oh i had to remove all my social media obviously for my job purposes um and that kills me because i've always wanted to be like you (laughs) and help people Mm -hmm. and tell them and let them not be scared and tell my story and now i've had a chance to tell it albeit under the the guise of uh not my true name or identity but Mm -hmm. at least it's out there for the mm-hmm. world to hear. Um, and I hope someday maybe I can come out of the closet, so to speak. But you um, guys had, I just want to make sure. We had a horrible, person. yeah, it was yeah. horrible. And then 10 months before he passed away, that's why I wanted to say it like this. He saw me in the kitchen one day and uh, I was obviously exhausted. I had been working, homeschooling, taking care of him. And, um, taking him to doctor's appointments. I had to go to the pharmacy. Like he was getting to the point where he couldn't really get out much anymore. He was just too exhausted. And uh, he would go out, but it would be, you know, for a ride or to go um, his favorite places to relax for a minute um, or his favorite places to eat because he loved to eat. And when he did have an appetite, he would be like, let's go here. And I'd be like, yes, let's go. Cause I, whatever, you know, will make you feel good. And, um, he came to me in the kitchen and never in my 20 years, we were together 20 years, married 15, October 5th, this October 5th would have been 15. I just count it. We were married 15 years. Uh, he came to me, he grabbed me by the shoulders. He turned me around. He looked me right dead in my eyes. And with tears just streaming down his face, um, asked for the most sincere apology I've ever gotten in my entire life. Mm. Uh, At that moment, I just melted into his chest and lost it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It was a beautiful moment. I'll never forget it. We had the most beautiful 10 months after that. 
he went on hospice um, this time last year. He came to me in November of last year and said, uh, I can't do this anymore. Is it okay if I stop treatment? Mm. And uh, I said, <laughs> sorry. Mm-hmm. And collect myself. I said, you don't have to ask permission for that. I know you're tired and I know you fought with everything you had. And I will stand by whatever decision you make. I've always told you that. And uh, he had what's called a honeymoon period where when they go on to hospice early, it's a good thing because a lot of times they do have this honeymoon period where he wasn't taking any medications except for his HIV meds. And um, he felt fantastic for about two months. He was able to go out to eat. He was able to go places. He was able to do things. He was able to go shopping. He was able to have energy to walk, you know, through the mall or, or just, um, we took our son to this place that he really wanted to take him for his birthday. And it was, a. Uh, it was the last birthday he celebrated with him. Uh, well, he wasn't on hospice then. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. He did get to, we did, my son's birthday's in March. He didn't go on hospice till November. So he was feeling pretty good in between treatments. So he did get to celebrate my son. But anyway, he was feeling good. But around Christmas time, I could tell that it was really um, getting bad. He was losing his appetite. Um, because of the tumor, when you have liver cancer, the tumors on your liver start to put pressure on your stomach and, um, you don't have room for food. Mm. Uh, it's very hard for a liver cancer patient to eat. Mm. Um, they have to eat teeny tiny bits. They get very nauseous and, uh, heartburn, um, have trouble sleeping. They can't get comfortable. Anyway, long story short, um, he, uh, he fought with everything he had and, uh, he got to say goodbye to everybody he wanted to say goodbye to. And, uh, he wanted to pass here at home. And, um, we asked our son, would he be comfortable with that? And of course my son was with me when my mother passed in the hospital, we both held her hand. So he had already seen death firsthand. Mm -hmm. And um, he was like, yes, of course, daddy, I wouldn't have it any other way. Mm. And so it was just me and him and my son when he passed. Uh, it took him a full 24 hours to actually pass away. Uh-huh. Um, and the hospice nurse also said that was only because his heart was so strong because he was so young. He was 56. Um, so, yeah. And now I'm just a solo mom facing a horrible looking dating pool (laughs) that I will never jump into because uh, I was so lonely. You know, he's been gone eight months now and I just wanted somebody to talk to. Like I lost my friends. I lost my best friend of 35 years and my friend of 10 years. They both said that my grief um, that I was displaying on my social media was a fake parade of lies because they knew what my relationship was really like, but they were not the only ones who knew that my relationship was like that. So I have plenty of other people who said, you grieve however you need to grieve. Um, You were with that man for 20 years and whether your whole relationship was crap, 
and the last few months was beautiful that's all that mattered and um mm-hmm. all I can say is I'm glad I was there for him to do what he needed me to do and uh, I know I did the right thing and I believe we're all put in a certain place at a certain time for a certain purpose and uh, I guess that was mine at that moment in time and uh now I'm just looking for the other one (laughs) (laughs) you have the next a lot yeah you've been through a lot you deserve some I mean ever since I've known you you've experienced two very big deaths and three actually I lost my aunt also oh I didn't know that one of all this yeah I lost her last September to a liver disease she had cirrhosis of the liver never drank a day in her life she was one of the most amazing women I've ever known so within the last uh year I lost three people very close to me almost lost my father um he had COVID recently Oh, wow. um, while he was in Michigan and was in the hospital, he was a lifelong smoker. He had quit four years ago and uh, him and his girlfriend both contracted COVID. He is in his seventies, but uh, he's doing fantastic. Awesome. Um, thank God. Yeah. So that was a scare that happened in uh, July, I believe. Wow. July? Yeah. Well, on a, yeah. on a lighter note, you have always sounded like Jenna Marbles to me. And your sense of humor <laughs> is so much like her. I mean, I nailed that one right off the bat. And I wasn't wrong because I think other people have told you that as well, right? They have. Yes, I've had people. Tell and me you that. love her. Too. And they've had people. Yes, yes. I adore her. My heart is broken. I've had people tell me I need to do YouTube. But I'm like, but I can't be her. So I can't, I can't, I can't do you do sound Jenna. so much like I can't her. And do Jenna's job. The first thing I remembered about you other than knowing that you were out about your status on Instagram is you are a couponer. You are. I was. Oh, you were. I was. And you used to I do was. such fun little videos about your coupon. I used to love to hear you talk about your coupons oh and God. all your great deals. You'd go through and like so touch each item as you talked about it. And we got, so- I just loved the way. Oh my you God. Was- you're so funny. It was almost a little you. ASMR. I just loved hearing you talk about your stuff, your fines. That was great. I'm, I'm what I like to call a copycat couponer or a regurgitating couponer. I suck at math, like I said in the beginning. So I will, I follow so many couponers. Um, and a lot of them will just post a whole breakdown and tell you what coupon you need, what store you go to and what you need to do. And I would go do that. But I love to, con- yeah, I did love to come back and talk about it. Oh, it's fun. I, I'll never even get any of the stuff because I didn't live near you. I don't even think the stuff is available where I live, but it was something so just, it was like watching reality TV. It's just nice. It's like eating chocolate cake. It's like, I could just sit here and listen to Lee talk about coupons all day and all of her products. I love it. Like, <laughs> you know what? Carl used to hate it. He really? hated it until, until I had like a closet in our apartment that he called our shop our store, our bodegas. I don't know. Um, he loved ivory bar soap. And I remember we had uh, Kroger there. I don't have it now. And Kroger would have these lovely, I built the biggest tower of ivory soap for probably $3. He had enough ivory soap. It lasted him, I think, three years. <laughs> off of that one 
week of couponing because I had to do it a certain amount every day. But I found the coupons and, and I knew how much he loved ivory soap. And I knew that would convince him that because he hated it. It took time away for anything that took time away from him, including the baby. He was jealous of the baby sometimes because it took time away from, you know, men. Yeah. Men. Even the way you say couponing, it just comes out perfectly. Okay. I have a, <laughs> a wild so much. Well, I have a really hungry 11-year-old who's probably about to take my head off because I babbled way too long. <laughs> okay, can I ask you one more question before we go? Yes, one more question. Okay, go ahead. think about, think back before you had HIV. Think about what you used to think of it. What would you tell your prior HIV self now that you have it? Put on a condom. Mm, interesting. You moron, why aren't you using condoms? Mm. You knew Ryan White. You knew his story. You knew what HIV was. You knew a lot of, I had a lot of, I was a hairdresser. I knew a lot of um, gay men in the eighties who got HIV because they didn't use condoms. Mm -hmm. Good and, advice. Uh, yeah. Just awesome. put a sock on it, man. Put a sock put on it. Be safe. <laughs> or go yeah. on prep. Beer. or go on prep now now you yeah. can go on prep yes now, yeah, now you can go on prep but that's probably what i we didn't have prep back then so i would have said um get the condoms girl get the condoms yeah great answer all right well go feed that kid and my gosh thank you so much for your time tonight and everything that you've shared it's really it's a really amazing story. You've been through a lot and you're a super, super strong woman. And I look up to you so much and I'm so glad we're friends. Oh my God. No, I look up to you. I know I'm older than you, but if I could be like you when I grew up, I would be because you are oh. just one amazing, inspiring, incredible woman who has also been through so much and I love you with all my heart and soul and I know one day I am going to just <laughs> hug your neck and practically break it um, because I'm a hugger and uh, I know you don't like a lot of affection but I'm going to give it to you anyway <laughs> I would definitely hug you back and I love you too California and Florida are gonna meet someday we will Lee, you're gonna have to redo that redo that I love you too Lee Remember? Oh, that's right <laughs> right so i forgot you say that well have a great evening and thank you so much again and and um yeah you can look forward to this on monday this will be up yay on i'm excited yeah. my yeah. first one whoop, whoop. <laughs> all right girl have right. a good evening you too we'll see you on instagram okay okay <laughs> bye yeah. I will get that great big hug someday, even though I really don't like hugging a lot. Thanks again for listening today, and a big thank you to Lee for taking the time to be on my show. I really hope we do get to meet someday in person. I know it will happen. It has to. If you'd like to be notified of any of my upcoming podcasts, be sure to subscribe. If you'd like to help this grow out, then please rate, review, and share my show. Today's show was brought to you by Benny, Olive Sky, Toby, Finn, Basil, and Baby Kitty. Sawyer, if you're out there, please come home. If you're no longer here on this earth, rest in peace. We miss you so much. Bye, guys.